0: Realised and figured out was brands and companies—they're more than happy to sponsor influencers. They're more than happy to pay for content, especially if it's in a niche environment or whatever it may be. But if you can collectively put everyone's content together and combine the reach, combine the audience, so instead of saying, you know, I might have a newsletter with only 100 subscribers and you might have one with 100 subscribers, imagine we've got a bunch of all of these newsletters stuck them together, and all of a sudden we had the reach of about 10,000 people. Brands are now more interested, right? Because they've got that reach, and that's what they're paying for—reach.
1: So you can't miss this episode. Content creation. Do you know much about it? More importantly, do you know how to make money from it and how it could be a really valuable option if you're looking to develop a side hustle or explore how you can use your creative talents for good and online and in your own time so in today's session i speak with abdul who is a doctor and co-founder of peer.io about how he journeyed into becoming an entrepreneur and how valuable the creator economy will be not only for doctors but for the world of course <laughs> all right take a listen and uh, it's a really valuable episode Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high, and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abaina Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities so we're using Riverside everyone today. Riverside FM, first time and I've got the best person to show me how to use it, <laughs> Abdul. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so yeah, welcome to the Disrupting Doctors Careers podcast, Abdul. It's a pleasure to interview you as you did so me not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and so today we're going to be talking specifically about content creation as a career opportunity. For doctors, one thing I have noticed, I think particularly since I've been connected with you, Julie, this is how it works, right? I've seen loads of doctors, not even so much doctors, say medical students as well, who are literally putting content creation as their job title. And, you know, I'm like millennial. um, And so like content creation was just the thing that you did, but wasn't actually a term like you know doing a blog or a YouTube video like you just do that but now like content creation is a thing and it's also a thing to be monetized so so this yeah. is a really great opportunity for doctors who are looking to diversify their skill sets and use some of that for great impact uh, using online social media and beyond and you're the person to talk about it so welcome um, and I also haven't mentioned so far that you are the co-founder of Peer which is a booming platform for content creators. So let's start from the beginning, Abdul. You are a doctor, right? Tell us, why are you a doctor to start off with? Why did you go into medicine?
0: Well, thank you for the invitation to to the podcast. I know I was on the other side of the table interviewing you and your story. (laughs) Motivations for being a doctor, medic, sometimes I feel like I fell into the career you know i'm not one of those people who at the age of six or seven wanted to kind of pursue this this lifelong dream of being being a medic grew up in like standard council estates went to a normal school in south london was like bottom set for the first few years of secondary school can i just and ask I remem- what is a yeah. standard
1: council estate because not everyone knows what standard council estate is
0: so council estate is essentially big blocks of buildings jam-packed full of people where who probably don't have the best socioeconomic background. They probably don't have the the best careers that you'd see as aspirational. And it's kind of an environment, which getting a job in, in, you know, like the highest level would have been like getting off an office job. Like I remember for my dad, you know, if you could work at, at the council, that'd be like amazing. Like that's a secure sturdy uh-huh. job. Right. So like admin was kind of the, the highest level of, you know, uh-huh. our aspirations. So,
1: so talking about, you know, obviously, what, what what is your ethnic background and what generation are you when it comes to immigrants?
0: Yeah. So um, my parents are originally from Bangladesh. Mm. So both my parents came to the UK when they were kind of teenagers. Right.
1: I see. Um,
0: and then obviously we were kind of born and brought up here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, they kind of as soon as they came to the UK, they didn't have the opportunity to study further. It was more to kind of start working, help provide for the family. Um, you can imagine, you know, loads of brothers and sisters all cramped up in like a two bedroom flat, which is where we grew up. Yeah. Um, so just going to, so university and stuff like that wasn't even in the picture, to be honest, it was just get through school, mm-hmm. get like a decent job, um, help support the family.
1: So, so yeah, how, I mean, what, one of the things that I've observed, and you know, is, is real, especially if you are from an immigrant background, like myself, my parents are Caribbean, yeah. They, Jamaica and Nevis. If anyone knows Nevis, think it's a Nevis. My, they were brought up here, so they came here when they were very young. Mm -hmm. um, And I, I am the first doctor in the family. Just thinking, I am the first doctor and probably only doctor, medical doctor that is, in the family. And I I see that a lot of um, family, especially from ethnic backgrounds, it's all about you know get the best job you can, the most secure Mm -hmm. job you can, and that's usually doctor, dentist. Accountant, lawyer, you know, those jobs that in the day, say about 20, 30 years ago, were seen as very secure, well paying, good, well paying jobs. Um, so it's interesting that you're, you know, you grew up in a culture where it's like if you get an office job, you're made. So yeah. I'd love to hear more about how, how, how you essentially punched above your own way in some ways.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do medicine. And that's, that's really fascinating. I'd love to hear more about that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Like, um, in the, the, the South Asian community, kind of the, the tree of doctor, banker, lawyer engineer is kind of the go-to, but yeah, looking back, I don't know why that wasn't kind of like proposed to me as like a career choice, uh, which is interesting. Um, if anything, my mom wanted me to be like a, a like a religious scholar. So like even <laughs> even on the opposite end of the spectrum, because you know. So, kind of coming back to the story. So I was in secondary school, kind of up until year nine, kind of just coasting along, really no aspirations, just you know messing around. And I remember in year nine, I don't know if they do it now, but you had to sit Sats, uh-huh. and I did so badly, like awful and it was maths I remember I was the type of guy like I used to get nervous sitting exams I wasn't comfortable uh-huh. well, I didn't like it and then I think my mom kind of took me to the side and said like I think at the time we knew GCSEs was super important like we knew like to get a job to do well in life you need to do one well in GCSEs so she took me to the side and said look you need to kind of pay attention um, to do one well in GCSEs and if you do one well in GCSEs you can come up with a good job you have like a stable career and what happened was one of my form tutors recommended I need a tutor. Obviously, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the room, so I needed extra help. And she recommended uh, a company and, and, a, and a guy in particular. And that's when things probably started to change for me. So this tutor I had was a city banker who went to Harvard to study maths. And all of a sudden, once a week, he used to come to our house or I used to go to his office or his house to study maths and science. And it felt like I entered a whole new world.
1: I mean, I just wanted to interrupt you there. I think that's that's so, that's interesting because it sounds like you went through, you went, had a massive failure
0: <laughs> moment, yeah.
1: which we all do. That's how the, most of these journeys start, right? We failed yeah. massively or crisis massively. And it's great how... I was like right, you need some proper support. So, yeah. how did your parents manage to find this guy, and what was in it for him? <laughs> you know so, what I mean. Like, it sounds amazing. This guy. Yeah. So, like, I'd love to hear more about that.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> we. So we. So you hear about tuition and tuition centres. Mm. We weren't a big fan. I was never a big fan. But it was my form tree. So I remember it was parents' evening. Uh, the the form choice was called Mrs Clark. I still remember her, and she said, "Hey." you know, Abdul's got potential. I think he he will benefit immensely from having a tutor. And obviously, I remember still being there with my dad. He's like, we don't know any good tutors. We only know community centers, and they're not that great. I was talking about this probably like good 10, 15 years ago, by the way. Um, So she said, this is is the number of, of someone that I've recommended before. He seems to be doing super well. All the students he's taught so far have done well in their GCSEs. So he's like, all right, cool. And I remember at the time, he charged like, just over 30 something pounds an hour, which was a loss of money. And you you have to do like two lessons at the time. And my dad was like, do you know what? It's worth the investment. The reasons as to why he did it was because his dad was a professor of chemistry Um. and it was a thing for them to kind of give back to help other people to study. And he really enjoyed teaching. So I think he said his passion was was actually teaching, but he just ended up becoming like a city banker. (laughs) um yeah so
1: yeah there's the money and then there's the passion yeah right? so like so.
0: um and, and you can imagine he he was also southeast asian right from yeah. like an educated background so he yeah. went into kind of those those, those the, the tree of what is you know aspirational yeah but doing the lessons with him and he so what was the the cool thing about him it was it wasn't just kind of like read through the cgp revision guys i don't know if people do them anymore but they're really good books he used to kind of talk about careers aspirations what do you want to do in life he knew i'd come from this kind of council estate background then he's like if you put i think it was to keep me motivated to study he was like look you can really get yourself into a good career you can earn a lot of money you can support your family you know you can do all of these wonderful things you can travel uh And then for some reason, something just clicked in my head and I just thought, you know what? I want to be like him. I want Mm -hmm. to have one of these careers. I want to do really well in my GCSEs. I enjoyed studying and learning with him. So at school, I I wasn't really learning. It was with him and at home where I was really studying, you know, going through past papers, learning Mm -hmm. theory. And then I think you look through things in a different lens. So come to year 10, year 11, we also knew someone after a very long time at our school that got into medicine at King's. Uh-huh. and then his brother was in our in our class and then he was like yeah my brother just managed to get himself into kings he, he's doing medicine and I was like wow what's mm. this medicine thing and then I went back to my tutor and then that's kind of where kind of this whole concept of medicine kind of starts to brew but even then I wasn't kind of willing to pursue it or kind of was up for it like I was easy kind of going didn't really too, mm. mind too much um but yeah long story short managed to do well in my GCSEs and then this thing of automatically at the time anyone that did well in 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 school and GCSEs or even A-levels were kind of signposted to become doctors and medicine mm. and it felt like if you didn't pursue medicine it would be such a waste of talent because you did really mm. well in exams and that and was then like one of the then... only
1: things you could do really if you're yeah right <laughs> so yeah
0: it automatically seemed like hey you know you did really well in GCSEs you're medicine. going to become a doctor right yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so I remember telling my parents and like yeah go for it Uh, And then this idea kind of grew in my head of kind of pursuing medicine. And then you kind of go into this tunnel vision of like, I'm going to do what it takes to get into med school. At the time, we didn't really know anyone that went to med school. Even doing the UCAS application was like a challenge. Uh I remember sitting in the sixth form common room where we're trying to figure this thing out, trying to get references for my tutors. And I don't know. That's why I feel like sometimes I kind of fell into it somehow. And I was super cool with not getting into medical school as well at the same time. Just knowing, like, you know, what the chances of someone like me going to med school. But luckily, you know, managed to get into the interview stages, did well when, you know, was fortunate enough to go to King's.
1: Wow. Congratulations. I mean, I think that's such a powerful story about your journey into medicine, especially coming from a, you know, disadvantaged socioeconomic background and as the child of immigrant families. And so I wonder, and this is going to be my next question, I wonder how that shaped what you're doing now. So jumping forward, i are talking more about, you know, the creator economy. You are the yeah. co-founder of Peer, which is, is it's an amazing platform. If you haven't seen it, guys, go mm. to Peer, that's P-E-E-R-R dot I-O. Um, so that is, well, originally it was for healthcare professionals. Um, and sharing content educational content around that but also now recently you've actually expanded to any professional i'd love to hear more about why why did you start this platform
0: so pair is i don't know if it was an accident but it was kind of learnings from the stuff we did before so to really understand the story of pair we kind of have to go back to the original time where we stepped into the world of content creation the creative economy so went for kings graduated i did super bad in the sjt exams like really bad <laughs> right so another
1: opportunity it sounds yeah. like I see where this is going it starts <laughs> with you doing really badly in exams
0: yeah so people know so sjt counts as 50 percent of your kind of final ranking in terms so of you where know you're people that
1: don't know what sjt is Do you want to explain that a little bit
0: yeah So the SJT is a situation judgment test which you sit at the end of medical school and it's essentially a bunch of scenarios they throw at you as a clinician or as a doctor in terms of it's always stuff like you know a colleague comes in drunk or a colleague comes in and you've noticed he's you know been malicious or he's assaulted someone what's the process what do you do and you have to rank it as the most appropriate the least appropriate you can imagine I probably did uh, everything wrong right you punched I probably, him in the face that's <laughs> yeah <talking. laughs> so i don't know if my background or anything mm. had to play with it but I, I i did it all wrong and the funny thing is so obviously the the, the podcast i deal with, with my co-host who is arms and uh, to describe him it's he was kind of the first centile medical student top of the class i was at the bottom and i like to say we kind of met in the middle and we kind of averaged out so he did well he got into the most competitive deanery in london so he was set to go. We were at the time super keen on becoming surgeons. So we didn't really care about the content creator, the economy or anything like that. It was head down, getting into kind of surgical training. He wanted to do cardiothoracic. I wanted to do orthopedics. And lo and behold, I kind of do really bad in the, the SJT. And a few weeks later, I kind of release the results. And I had to kind of, I realized that I had to move out to Coventry. So this is the first time I'm moving away from friends and family, a hundred miles away from home to Coventry. And it was like a massive culture shock. So like, you can imagine I was kind of like looked after at home, pampered, you know, had everything, you know, done for me to a certain degree. Right. And now all of a sudden I'm living out by myself. I need to do everything. And one of the things that I found difficult was adjusting. I think to be fair, I probably was homesick, you know, Imagine you're an F1, you're coming home after on calls, after night. Sometimes there's no one in the flat. You're really struggling, you're really adjusting to it. And throughout medical, I was quite active, uh, involving loads of societies. We were part of like um, a charity called Maternal Mark, Maternal Association. And at one point, I just thought, do you know what? I really need to do something, something different, just to keep me going, just to keep me kind of keep my mind busy. Otherwise, I'm just going to hate it here um No offense to people in Coventry, yeah, but it is a different. I felt my life slow down as I went into Coventry for the uh, first time.
1: <laughs> I think like, I, know... I just want to touch upon that point because actually we have very similar stories where like you moved from London to Coventry,
0: yeah. I
1: moved from London to Blackburn, and yeah. we both are like, what the hell is this?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so you've been you know, that feeling of like, damn. And you know what was so sad? I felt I smashed that exam, I left the exam hall early oh and i thought no. you know what i smashed it and every time you think you smashed the exam most likely you didn't right especially in med school so you know i'm in coventry and it it turned out to be like a blessing in disguise i met some awesome people i was still quite on it in terms of surgery my first rotation was gen surge managed to get loads of theater time you can imagine there's small djs out there five six o'clock The consultant's grabbing you by the collar hey i need your help with this emergency laparoscopy you know there's no one else here um compared to ams he was barely getting any theater time in like a busy S- central london hospital but yeah coming back to the story before the kind of i digress i really want to do something different um and it was like a random phone call i still remember it four o'clock in the morning to ams who was on holiday after his honeymoon so he was on his honeymoon he just got married um and it was like hey do you know what let's do something, we've got a story we can share. We feel like a lot of people resonate this story that may have come from you know, disadvantaged backgrounds like us. Hopefully we can inspire and motivate people. Um, and it, ha- it was purely to be a passion project, so no idea of monetizing, earning money, anything like that. It was, let's do something where we can share our story. The problem was we wanted to do YouTube, but we didn't know how to video edit. We didn't have any cameras, so we thought, oh man, we can't do YouTube, what's the next best thing? So the next best thing happened to be podcasting. So it's just audio recording and we kind of spent like a good few hours on the day on that night kind of speaking on the phone just talking about the things we can do um i even did like a mock intro to the to the kind of opening show and all of that jazz and yeah so we started to kind of record the the, the podcast i used to come down to london every weekend so this is scr- uh,
1: scrubbed scrubbed in yeah
0: it's a scrubbed in podcast yeah. so yeah so that so the, so end of f1 beginning of two, f2 the scrubbed in podcast was kind of born And the the premise of it initially was we want to share our story, our journey, life as an F1 uh, in a podcast format, purely as a passion project, purely just to keep ourselves active um, and the hope that it helps someone else, right? Mm problem was we were so junior in our career we ran out of stories to tell there's only so many weekends and on calls and nights you can talk about so then we we, we came to, <laughs> I, to a bit I, I
1: challenge you on that one and actually i'll probably jump forward and back with regards to the yeah. creator economy so yeah. one of the things that i've found out more about through you is the creator economy and actually how popular it is amongst medical students yeah. i came across a number of youtube pages by medical students yeah and they have that they, they can really find a whole lot of content that they're talk about a whole <laughs> they, of, they and stuff it. that's actually like really addicted to
0: watch yeah. so uh,
1: yeah i'd love to hear more about that
0: <laughs> so obviously i can't remember it may have been like 2018 2019 or before that even so we're sharing our stories we're try, like you said we're trying to squeeze out as much content as possible in terms of episodes but we're struggling we, we did a good bunch of episodes to be fair um, and by that time we also managed to be like hey do you know what since we're going down this creative economy or this content creation role let's pick up the skill and I remember I was learning how to kind of video edit we had to borrow cameras we borrowed mics we borrowed one of our mates office space and then we thought hey do you know what we, we had a good response and uh, we thought do you know what we call cool is if we brought on other people to share their story and that's when it kind of described show kind of really took off because you know we brought on our friends initially and then kind of the guests got a bit more renowned, people that were super established, really killing it in their field uh, to where we are now, where it's like people like yourselves that are, you know, carving out a niche, a space for themselves, really um, successful health tech founders, entrepreneurs, or like world leading surgeons. So that was the kind of the scrubbed in show. uh, We're kind of putting out a story each week and then COVID struck. um, And then you can imagine Medical education came to an halt. Everyone's kind of on the front line. I was on ITU at the time and I remember I wanted to go into my GP rotation, but they held everyone back just to get as many people um, on the kind of most sore areas. And we thought, hey, do you know what? We've got this podcast, people seem to be listening to it. Why don't we help with the medical education? Loads of people are doing webinars and kind of like sessions and presentations. And we thought, do you know what? We're not really a big fan of those stuff. Those of people doing it. You know, why don't we stick to what we enjoy most? At this, by this time, we fell in love with audio. Like, we've, like all, Podcasting was such a fruitful thing for us. We really enjoyed the creative process. So we basically did what we called pod cases, where it's like 15 to 20 minute stories of people, clinical scenarios that medical students, particularly those in placements can kind of listen in. And then we did like a quiz on, on the Instagram using the poll feature everything was scrappy like the whole thing was scrappy uh but it was nice it was the first time it was kind of audio driven learning so imagine you stick in your headphones and you get you of like a 64 year old chap comes into AE and e which has been mm. uh, it was a different way of learning and people loved it we were getting like thousands of downloads like 10 20 30 000 downloads from these podcasts, and then we we did the quiz on instagram to just kind of reinforce that knowledge and then we were like hey do you know what why don't we turn this into an app and then monetize it so we can get better gear, better equipment? And we're like, hey, do you know what? So we kind of went down the route of finding a developer, building out this app. We've already tested it with the podcast and Instagram. We launched it, that did really well. Thousands of downloads, people are paying for it. And then this is where probably people are more interested where the story of Peer kicks in. So what happened was we launched this app and people could submit cases and quizzes, and they'll send it in, they'll email it, or they'll kind of WhatsApp over to me, having spent hours on end on doing it. But when you went onto the podcast app, which is still live, people can kind of look at it if they want, if they're still interested, it felt like this was still a scrubbed-in product. It felt as if me and Ams were still creating those cases and quizzes and content. And I don't know if people were annoyed, but they were... It felt as if they weren't getting the acknowledgement they deserved, And it came to like, how do we compensate you? And medics, you probably know, is they really don't know what the value is sometimes. They really don't know how much to charge for a piece of content or piece of work outside of their 95 day job. Mm -hmm. And we could see the crazy economy booming. We're seeing a lot of people creating content online. You know, loads, to be fair, every other medical student has a YouTube channel now anyway, right? Yes. And we thought, (laughs) like, yeah, they either like Instagram or YouTube, right? And we're like, hey, do you know what? People had an appetite of now creating content for themselves, meaning they wanted to have their own bio. They really wanted to have their profile picture. They really wanted the world to know that this individual created this content and acknowledgement is given to them. And they really wanted to kind of earn some sort of money for it. And for a lot of people initially, it wasn't about the money. It was the the passion of teaching, the passion of getting involved in something novel. Um, And you probably remember in med school, like this stuff was non-existent. Like you'd write questions for existing question banks and it was like a privilege if they published it. Right. Whereas now, like you use a sentence that someone wrote, you know, you better have their name in picture and the whole bio. There, right? <laughs> People want that acknowledgement. So y- you could see where the world was going. Right. We we knew like, hey, do you know what? Like there need there really needs to be a platform for medics to create content where they can also earn money. Um, so we're like, Do you know what? stop it? We're gonna stop podcast and pivot into peer so peer obviously, in the beginning was a platform where anyone that had a passion for teaching could go create a profile, share quizzes, and the way it worked was every time someone did a quiz, you get paid for it rather than this flat fee and it was this you're earning money every month as people did more and more quizzes mm-hmm. since then it kind of grew to other modalities of teaching or sharing mm-hmm. content so blogs and articles which is probably the most popular one and more recently courses and coaching Mm -hmm. Uh, but the premise has always been to give create now creators a a channel a platform where they can create content build a brand earn money build that community Um, and it's kind of taken off since then
1: i think that's a really fascinating story about how it's come to be how it is today um I've got a lot of questions on the back yeah. of that, as you can imagine, and I guess I'm going to focus actually more on. Let, let's talk about it. People are going to be listening to this podcast because they're looking at other career options and ways to kind of side hustle, right? So, yeah. how does the how does the business model work when it comes to creating content and earning money?
0: So, the business model is like super simple. Obviously, you're knowing me with all those failures. I'm not not trying to do anything complicated here. So what we've we've figured out, um, the articles is is a good way to explain it. What we figured out is when you embark on the content creation journey, let's say the easiest way for clinicians and medics is writing blogs and articles, right? Uh, and, And putting it out in the world or having your newsletter. It takes a really long time to start monetizing a newsletter. And that's because you really need to get loads of subscribers. You really need to build that audience. You really need to get that reach. What we realized and figured out was brands and companies, they're more than happy to sponsor influencers. They're more than happy to pay for content, especially if it's in a niche environment or whatever it may be. But if you can collectively put everyone's content together and combine the reach, combine the audience. So instead of saying, you know, I might have a newsletter with only 100 subscribers and you might have one with 100 subscribers. Imagine we've got a bunch of, All of these newsletters stuck them together. And all of a sudden, we had the reach of about 10,000 people. Brands are now more interested, right? Because they've got that reach. And that's what they're paying for, reach. And we thought, on peer, if people can contribute articles and they don't need to go out and kind of design their newsletter, they don't need to build their own website, they don't need to build their own platform, they just share the content. And collectively, if we can go out to the brands and companies and say, hey, do you know what, on the platform, there's thousands of people reading all these different articles. Do you want to advertise your company? So they'd basically pay to have something sponsored, or they pay to have an ad running, and the money we got from those ads, we then share with the creators, depending on the number of views, and the n- number of engagement, you know, the number of times it's been shared. And the beauty of it was, and I think one of the things w- was we're quite happy about was a lot of people earned their first dollar or their first pound online through Peer, especially clinicians, and these are people that may have may wouldn't have earned anything for a long time. Uh, whereas all of a sudden, you're turning out a piece of content, you might do well, and you're earning something. And, then, and we know it's not a life-changing amount. You probably pay for a coffee or a lunch. But, you know, it's collectively working together, collectively putting out that content, getting that reach, and, and leveraging it, mm-hmm. and allowing these creators to get paid.
1: So it's about community and collaboration. Yeah. And, yeah, so it sounds quite sustainable.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> hopefully if people, you know, continue sharing valuable content, people are benefiting from it. And we can go out and show these brands that these are the people you want to target, you want to get in front of. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, yeah, hopefully it it continues working. And then the the, the second model now is we're now allowing people to create courses, do coaching sessions, uh, and then you can kind of pay to access those features. But the, the key thing is to create this economy, this ecosystem where the money generated is kicked back to the creators to let them kind of not worry about earning, not worry about going out to different brands and companies, but focus on what they do best. And that's teach and share knowledge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's you know, creator economy is definitely expanding. I've seen it on yeah. even well, obviously, you know, YouTube is is essentially creator yeah. economy, but it's really uh, picked up in in recent times when it when talking about how how much money goes back to the creators themselves. But still, you know, I I mean, how much of a long game are are, are these things realistically? So you talked about earning a little bit, you know, if it does reasonably well. Like, how much work does someone really need to do to say, actually, I can earn a reasonable side hustle from this whereby it's more than a coffee. It's more like half my mortgage. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Per month. For for sure. Or, or like, a lot of people, I can leave my job and do this. Do you know what I mean? that that, that's what what a lot of people are, are aiming for as well.
0: Yeah. So we have a theory around that where it's, Obviously the dream for lots of creators is kind of yeah, I want to create content, I wanna leave my day job. We feel the future in terms of the creator economy or well for so we're focusing on professionals. We know that are lots of people that enjoy their day jobs
1: mm-hmm. as well.
0: And not everyone wants to be a full time content creator because mm-hmm. that itself comes with its own responsibilities and pressures. Yeah. We see the future as the vast majority of professionals will also be content creators on the side. It will just be something they do. And it may not necessarily be for money. It may just be a passion thing, it may be, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, content creation has an immense amount of value and benefits outside of the money in terms of personal brand, opportunities, exposure, credibility. And for us, we really want it to be a platform where, you know, you know, if you're fortunate to be able to leave your day job, if you really hate it and earn money as a creator, then fair enough. But we want it to be a place where it's an environment where you can share content, but you probably still continue your nine to five. You don't necessarily leave it. And in terms of increasing the amount of money you can earn, one of the reasons why we introduce courses and coaching, which are high ticket items where you can earn a bit more money, is you can sell a few courses if you price out the right amount. You can do coaching and then you can then say, hey, do you know what, Baina? It covers half your mortgage. And it's basically guiding. If you go to Peer Now and onto any profile, it basically eases you into the world of content creation. So it's write an article or two. Earn a bit of money. If you really want to take it a notch up, start doing coaching. If you really want to take it a bit higher, then do courses. Sit down, spend some time, build out a course, charge, you know, you can be £10, you can be a few hundred pounds, and get that kind of passive income thing moving. And we move you across this creator journey. If you really want to go down that route, and the beauty of it on Peer is it's all in one platform. So you don't need to go to one platform for coaching. You don't need to go to a different one for courses, and you don't need to go to yet a different one for newsletters and kind of articles Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's doable it it means we just need to work super hard and kind of get that economy uh, that ecosystem going similar Mm. to youtube right
1: Mm. i mean I i think it's really fascinating and obviously you've you've identified a real niche for professionals to use the platform i mean what other examples do you have of platforms for content creators that doctors could also explore as an option
0: so I've recently become a big fan of LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn felt a bit too professional for me. It felt a bit too corporate. So for us, we've had phases. So there was a time we loved Instagram and that's where we kind of grew the brand, where we started. And it was like a really fun place. You know, you're sharing images, you're doing stories. And then we felt like the stuff we were doing probably didn't fit Instagram. Then we jumped onto Twitter and we really loved Twitter. We loved kind of the short, concise. It felt like, you're reading a book as you know, when you're going through your feed and you're learning the best from the people, right? And then more recently, when you realize that the people that we're trying to target, the people we're trying to encourage to become content creators are professionals, that's when we kind of jumped in on LinkedIn. Um, and LinkedIn is an incredible place. And I think it's very good for doctors. I'm starting to see more and more clinicians join on to LinkedIn. Um, and it's the easiest place because it's a very supportive environment, there's loads of clinicians on there. All it takes is sharing your thoughts, your ideas, your insights, um, and it's really good for personal branding, credibility, kind of showing your passions. Um, and I think, you know, what the advice I'd give to people that want to become content creators is find the platform you feel most comfortable with, where you feel that your community is there, because for some clinicians, they don't want to write articles and posts. They're really, they're, they might be visual people, right? And youtube or instagram might be the one or maybe some people don't have all the time in the world they want to do short bursts bursts of information twitter um, but for me at the moment linkedin seems to be at the top of my list in terms of social um, platforms
1: great and and how how would a doctor say monetize their efforts on linkedin or platform like linkedin
0: so monetizing a platform for like linkedin so is slightly difficult um Hence why we built here. It's like in a way, like a monetizable LinkedIn, yeah, right? right? Um, the way to monetize content or kind of go down this crazy economy where you are earning money is you re- the most powerful thing you can do is two things, is build distribution and build an audience because they are the people at the end of the day, either you will be selling products to or services or companies will be interested in accessing through you. So let's say you're on LinkedIn and you're, posting loads of articles or posts or kind of your thoughts, and you're really garnering this kind of big audience or community, you may then launch your own newsletter. Uh, or you may do like a course or you may do coaching services because over a period of time, you've really established your authority. You've really established your credibility. You may be, some, so AI is, is popping right now, right? So let's say you are a clinician. You are really into AI. You're learning about all the cool things about AI you're out there posting things and maybe you then think, hey, you know what, now it's time for me to monetize. You can go down the newsletter, get different AI companies to sponsor that content. You can do coaching services, consulting services to other companies that are looking to get AI or get a clinical input for a health tech company. You can do a course on understanding AI. There's loads of ways of monetizing. But I think The advice I would give is before you start monetizing off the back, spend some time really building a community, building an audience, building those distribution channels, because that's what's valuable, um, to both you as an individual and to companies that want to may sponsor some of your content. Because one of the biggest ways creators make money is through brands and sponsorships, Mm -hmm. um, if they're not selling the products directly.
1: Yeah. I mean, actually that, that leads to my next question. So, I mean, obviously peer was built so that content creators don't have to worry about who they have to go out to. But if you are someone who's like really building your personal brand and looking for sponsors or partners, I mean, what would you advise? I mean, like, for example, what do you do when it comes to looking for yeah. the right, uh, uh, deciding what, what are the right partners for your platform? Like um, how yeah. do you make that decision? How do you actually do the outreach? Like, What advice would you give to doctors who are looking yeah. to do that?
0: So one of the best piece of advice I got when we were starting to look for sponsors, when we were starting to to monetize the podcast, which was, I think, more kind of relatable to people that are kind of starting this greater journey. So we've been doing the podcast for like a year or two, and then we realized, hey, we've got good reach, good number of downloads. Let's reach out to companies and see if they're willing to sponsor podcast episodes. And... One of my friends, who was he's like a city, ex Goldman Sachs banker, who's like a big YouTuber now. He's the thing he said. He said a lot of creators think the sponsors will come to them. They think, "Hey, I'm doing really well. All of these brands are going to be dropping you loads of emails. They're going to be, you know, at your feet." It doesn't work like that. You really need to graft in the beginning and go to these companies and sponsors and really tell them why they should sponsor your podcast or why they should sponsor your article or your YouTube video. And the best way to do that, and we'll use our example. Our example is probably a good way because it's, it's real. It was, we had loads of medical students listening to the podcast. We knew that medical platforms, medical education platforms, or quiz banks will be interested in getting in front of these medical students. So what we did is we made a list of all the different question banks. We approached them and said, hey, this is the in show. We do X, Y, Z. We have X amount of downloads. Would you be willing to sponsor a, a podcast episode? And we're going to give you a shout out. We're going to run an ad. We're going to stick your logo on the podcast art cover uh, and really sending it to them. And then they'll kind of be like, send more details, tell us the demographics and screenshots. And you do all of that jazz. And then you kind of get your your that first deal. I remember the first podcast episode we sponsored was like 20 pounds or something. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> 20 pounds. Crazy, Someone's going to.
1: That's a really great start.
0: Yeah. And shout out it was Quezmed. I remember it was Quezmed. Always oh, like 25 bucks. 25 and I was like, whoa, AMS, bro, we're gonna be rich. We're gonna kill it overnight. And um, it was like it like then things kind of changed a bit. We we're like, hey, do you know what this thing is real, you can make money and stuff like that. But even then we went too fast about the money because we knew like we are still sensible, you know, like but but mm. it, it showed that you can monetize content. So yeah. anyone listening out there that are worried they won't monetize the content or it doesn't work, it does work. It's just sometimes it takes a while, and we're so used to seeing kind of the Ali Abdaals, the Karma Medics, with like millions of subscribers absolutely but killing it. it. They
1: journey in itself, right? They were, they were, they started from scratch too. Oh, of course. So yeah. Same yeah. If you kind of look at challenges.
0: It. Yeah. So, like, Ali Abdaal was making videos while a medical student for many, many years. Yeah, yeah, and maybe. then recently took off, even Karma Medic, like he was, you know, churning up videos after they got hundreds of videos. Um, so, obviously, people see the overnight success, but. Coming back to when reaching out to companies or brands to sponsor, it's literally from identifying the type of content you're putting out, identifying the people that are consuming that content, then going out and seeing, okay, who are the type of companies or people that are looking to get in front of this audience, in front of these people? Are they willing to make, you know, pay money for it? And then just going out and reach cold emailing, introductions, just saying, hey, I've got X, Y, Z, i have got XYZ, I have access to... This demographic or this population would you be interested in us kind of showcasing your staff or would you be interested in doing a a, a sponsorship or a brand deal or something like that um, and taking it from there
1: i think that's really really valuable and awesome simple advice yeah. but i think really really good point on how to then do the outreach and, and obviously through those relationships you can Get bigger deals. Yeah, of course <laughs> as, you, you as leverage your, it, right? Yeah, community grows and find other ways to get sponsorship. And usually, once you've got your foot in the door, they're they're your best yeah. customers, really, isn't it? It's easier to get more money <laughs> from yeah. the same people than it is to find new pe- new people or new companies, yeah. right? So yeah. I th- I think that's really awesome. Um, and just rounding off, so I mean, already you've you've given so many amazing bits like golden nuggets when it comes mm. to content creation and. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go back to what kind of what piece of advice would you give for doctors who are interested in just getting started and going down the content creator route?
0: Just get started. It's I know a lot of medics and clinicians are keen to create content. Um, I remember I did like a LinkedIn thing the other day in terms of what seems to be the barrier to getting you to click the post button or publish a video or post an article or, or release a podcast. Um, and I think maybe there's loads of reasons, you know, it's perfectionism. Maybe saying, it's, that's probably
1: know. the biggest one. I mean, I've, I've just started a new, a new newsletter, which I haven't sent out yet. Yeah. And oh my God, I've done it about three, to, three four times. <laughs> and it's just getting longer and longer. And it's like, no, I want yeah. it to be short. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the enemy of the good.
0: Yeah. So the advice is just do it. Like the, the first few pieces, the first few videos, the first few episodes will probably be crap compared to what you can potentially do if you keep at it. Um, and I remember it's a saying like, if you're not embarrassed of your first product or your first thing, you've, you've launched too late or it's too late, right? Um, and I think it doesn't need to be perfect. The beauty in content cre- the, the content creation or the creative economy is the imperfections we bring as individuals. Like there's loads of YouTubers out there But it's you, your unique way, your unique journey that allows you to maybe explain things differently that someone may resonate with your video as to someone else's video or your piece of content compared to someone else's. It's put it out there, be confident, be open, learn from feedback, learn how to improve. And there's so many tools now, even like this AI stuff, it gets you over the kind of the writer's block if you don't have any ideas, like... An example is I was struggling with the an, an, an title of an article. I put it into AI. I was like, give me an article title. And they gave me like loads of banging articles. I'd like titles and I use one, right? I have so, gone to chat
1: GPT recently, I have to say. Yeah. It is really good.
0: <laughs> it's so good, right? It's like, like, it helps you in that process. So the, yeah. there's really no excuse to not create content. And I would say, even if you hate it, and you really want to be, let's, let's put it in a different viewpoint in a sense. You might not be a big fan of content creation. You might find it a bit embarrassing. You might find it a bit cringy. You might think it's like a fluffy thing to do. But let's say at the same time, you want to become an upcoming big consultant surgeon in a big fancy teaching hospital. Content creation is probably your best bet in getting those roles because you want to be out there. You want to kind of cement that relationship, that credibility, that authority. When you create content online, you increase the surface area of opportunities to land your way. We've spoken to loads of consultants and they said the future are these hybrid roles where you need to learn content, you need to learn how you use technology to improve your department, you reduce waiting times, you increase the budget, all of that jazz, right? So
1: So it's about if you're becoming an there, influencer, isn't it? It's about becoming an yeah. influencer and organizations, hospitals. They need influencers because influencers bring in money. They, yeah, they bring it, in it, interest. they bring in projects, they bring in, you know, a whole sorts of things that really help them to develop really great high quality services. So yeah. if you're coming in with your brand, your personal brand that no one can take away from yeah. you, that, that gives you extra, extra massive leverage in getting a job or an opportunity, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, at the forefront of people's minds, there's so many times opportunities have come where we can't take them up. But because I've seen... Individuals tweet about it or post about it. I'm like, hey, this guy's interested in this, and you just connect them, right? Mm -hmm. And that individual, just because they put themselves out there, landed a project, landed an internship, landed, yeah, so many opportunities.
1: Yeah, and they may not be like better than say the next person, but what they are better at is just putting themselves out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I and I'll be, you know, sometimes you have to be frank. And I do feel if you're not out there, if you're not creating content, there may be a chance where you do get left behind. Yeah, and. And it's not because you have a a bad skill set or you don't have the the right experience. It's just, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know, all of those type of sayings really do come true. And, And we've seen it countless number of times where like loads of opportunities. You can have someone that maybe doesn't have the best skill set, maybe doesn't have the best experience, but what they did was they were vocal, they were out there, they were connecting, and they used one opportunity to get the next one. And by the end of it, they're really seasoned yeah and then you have someone who may have been ripe for the job but because no one knows about them they're not getting it and they yeah, kind of stuck yeah. and they end up you know hating their career they hate the day job they really want to leave they want to do something different and then when they do want to go do something different they don't have the experience and opportunities yeah. to land those roles which i'm sure you probably know a lot more yeah. than me about
1: so i think all doctors need to learn how to be their best self marketers in a way that for works sure. for them have to have to yeah. be very specific about that. it doesn't mean you have to dance on linkedin or instagram <laughs> or start or yeah. tiktok there were loads of doctors dancing on TikTok. They, need all, they don't need to do that. They can they yeah, like, want course. to, but they don't need to do that. Yeah, but, I agree.
0: Yeah. I was going to say on. that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. The, the one thing I did want to say before coming on was, yeah. you don't need to follow and see what other people are doing. And you may see people going viral on TikTok and think that's the next platform to be on. Like I said before, I think find the platform that resonates with you the most. Find Absolutely. the platform where you want to be part of that community and build there and just build and grow, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It does take time, but I can yeah. promise it's definitely, definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, let's end it on there. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time, Abdul. I've really learned a lot from this time with you on the content creator economy, <laughs> which is the current, it is the future. I can see it happening uh, as we speak, especially from a generational perspective too. But just to emphasize this opportunity is not just for doctors who have like made it in their careers it's for anyone at any stage and the 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 key thing here from what i understand is that you need to pick something that you are passionate about you're interested in it's something that you would do as a hobby and money isn't isn't the primary gain from it for you because the money will come and if you're looking for a platform whereby where the money will come as long as you keep on producing stuff that you love uh peer is that right (laughs) Yeah, P E E R dot I O, everyone. See, I'm promoting it for Abdul. Thank
0: you, thank you so much. Yeah, no, you you sell it better than me.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way of doing that?
0: We're probably on all of the platforms, to be fair. Maybe LinkedIn. Um, you can drop us an email at hello at peer.io, Instagram, described in. Show I think, or the peer.io on Instagram? So yeah, just search it, Google it. It's like everywhere. Like we need to be everywhere, right? When you're creating content, should be too difficult. He's to behind find
1: you right now. I <laughs> <talk to him. laughs> right. <our> content. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for joining nice. us. See you later, baby. <laughs>